say it skillfully is about being who you really are, even at work, and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive, even at work. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. I'm so jazzed about this radio format to help listeners become more skillful in navigating your interactions with others. I refer to this as how you move through space. Being skillful with the social sensitivities is the hallmark of the highest performance. Yet often at work, there's not strong focus here to help people develop. Today, to support your learning, I'm delighted my friend and collaborator, Bruce Kazanoff, joins us from Park City. I'm grateful to Bruce for his support to help my LinkedIn Say It Skillfully series take off. Hi, Bruce. Hey, Molly. It's so much fun to be on your new radio show. That's so exciting. So Bruce is helping us with a total game changer, something called meta skills. Broadly, a meta skill positively influences all other human skills. Specifically, we're defining them as an intentional attitude or stance with which something is done. In a word, it's your energy or vibe. Right now, you may be fatigued or intrigued. The point is how you show up directly impacts how well or not your work or interaction with others goes. I learned about MetaSkills through my coach training at CRR Global. It's changed my life. And Bruce, I think you're a MetaSkills fan. So please share with us. Yeah, no, I'm a huge MetaSkills fan. And when you told me that uh, in your tactful way that the way that others perceive me when I walk into a room or when I start talking or when I'm on a radio show is not necessarily how I think I'm projecting. That also changed my life. It, it, it sounds like a simple insight, but the difference I found between what I thought I was doing and what others perceived I was doing can be enormous. So that's number one. Number two, the, the effort required to change it is so tiny, I found it shocking because, you know, for example, if you walk into a room and you smile, you just did it. And and how much effort did that take? But what for me it, it takes is the recognition and the reminder to, okay, you know, the first five seconds of talking now matters. The, the way you walk into a room matters. The way you greet someone matters. And um, I didn't think enough about that. Yeah, I am so appreciative because for me it was like it made sense. And what was a big learning for me was, was your aha moment and how important it is to help people own that. And it's to your point, it's so easy that um, you just have to think about it. Now, sometimes, and I say this to, to folks, look at, you're about to do some work. You may have had a phone call. You're super angry and you're legitimately angry. And it's not easy to let go of that anger because the next meeting needs you to be very open hearted and more vulnerable. Do you want to share a little bit at times, Bruce, when you maybe have had to switch from A to B and, and how you've gotten your headspace in a way to serve the next call or the next meeting? Right. So it happens all the time. 
I mean, constantly. And the biggest tool, I think, is to recognize that you're walking into a new situation and that those people have don't have context. So they will perceive you as projecting onto them. So, for example, if you come into a call or you walk into a meeting and you appear rushed and impatient and, like, you know, you for example, you look at your watch, you know, five times in the first minute, people are going to shut up. They're not, especially if you have power, they're not going to talk much. They don't want to slow you down. And then you think, well, why isn't anybody chipping in? You know, why do I always have to do anything? And you get madder. And so the alternative, you know, you can't necessarily say, I'm going to perfectly modulate my emotions at all times. But you can say, if I look at my watch, people are going to be shut up. So don't look at your watch. Or, you know, if you, even if you feel rushed, if you say something, say, look, I apologize. I only have 15 minutes. We can schedule another meeting. But I want you to know that my lack of time today does not um, lessen my interest in what you're doing. I think what you're doing is critically important. You can do things like that. So even if you can't shift your emotions, you can shift how people perceive you because you make an effort uh, to do that. And also you acknowledge in your head and theirs that, you can't always 100% control yourself, so therefore you want to make an effort to, to show them how you feel. Yeah, that's so great. I have always admired your authenticity, and what you just did there was kind of connecting the dots for people and being truthful. And I think oftentimes people might say, well, I, I feel disingenuous you know, I, because I'm, I'm coming across in a certain way, and I would say that. It does take a little bit of practice for some. You may think I'm not being real, but every time we do something new, it doesn't feel quite natural. And so I really encourage folks. In fact, I've had a whole team say, okay, this week we're going to practice respect. And it isn't about the fact that you think you're so respectful. Um, and I love the article you had on Mount Minute today. It's about how others perceive if you're respectful. Um, so you share a little bit about how you're helping people actually ask the right questions themselves, because we're, we're about ourselves. You know, it's all about us. You know, that's kind of the natural starting point. You mean ourselves in terms of self-awareness? And... Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's what I wrote today was there's two kinds of self-awareness, external and internal, and people think that self-awareness is internal. Like, I know when I'm upset. I know when I'm happy. I know when, you know, I'm enthusiastic. But that's really a, a tiny part of self-awareness because self-awareness is really being aware of how others perceive you, which is, you know, part of what we're talking about today. And and not many people are good at that. And and it's, it's not really, um, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's very difficult in your own head to perceive. Like, I don't really know what's in your head right now, especially I have no visual cues. So I understand your words, but you might be saying, ha, ah, talking too long, he's talking too short. And so you have to get other means to get that sort of feedback. And and so I, what I wrote today was self-awareness is a practice. It's not a skill. It, it, and it, it's the same thing about meta-skills. It's like it's the practice of being attentive to something, being attentive to, you know, I'll talk to you after this radio show and I'll say, well, tell me honestly how you thought I did. Did I do talk too little, too much? Was I enthusiastic enough? Not enough? Was I, 
you know, and all of those things, if you do it every single day, then you get smarter and then you get better informed. And then it's easier to modulate, you know, for example, you were talking about practicing respect and, you know, is it too much? Like, it, do I, does a CEO who listens to you then come into a room and say, oh, I'm so happy to be here? And like, you know, like 20% less would be good. Uh, it takes practice. And, and there's just nowhere way around the practice part of this. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I, I want to share with folks some of the common meta skills. So meta skills, really any emotional state. One of my absolute favorites is just fascination, truly being in that state of fascination. Um, for teams, there's about seven of them that are very widely you know, useful. And one of those is commitment, respect, curiosity and understanding, heart or intimacy, partnership or collaboration, playfulness, also known as lightness, and this notion of deep democracy. I'll just define that last one. And that's recognizing all voices in a relationship system, whether that's a couple, a church group, a management team, all voices, including the unpopular ones, need to be heard. And that one is a real game changer. Um, of those ones, Bruce, I'm just curious, any in particular that you've seen really working with groups that you have a chance to interact with? I, I, I tend to to go towards the ones that are more emotional. And, you know, like I, I, when you said to me, you know, about a long time ago now, you know, the vibe energy way to, because I think meta skills is a big word and, and it's, it's abstract and people don't always get it, myself especially. And so the vibe energy meaning, are you, are you passionate? Are you enthusiastic? Are you, you know, sad? You know, the, that part of it uh, really resonates with me because I, I find it easy to do a, a kind of reality check. You know, how am I, um, not just what am I feeling, but how am I projecting what I'm feeling? Because the, the biggest thing that I've learned about Metaskills from you was, you know, so for example, I think of it, if I'm on a video call or face-to-face with somebody and I have my chin in my hand, you know, like like a kind of, what I feel like is an in, intense concentration you know, what I got from you is that might be like low energy. You know, that might, that might not <laughs> be projecting what I want. And so I think a lot these days about how do you project an emotion? And especially when you're trying to listen or be attentive to people. And it's harder than, than, than you would think, because how do you project enthusiasm and still listen to somebody? So lean forward, eyes wide open, nod your head. You know, I, I've tried to pick up on things like that. Yeah, that's that's great. The this is a business channel. I'd love to hear some thoughts, Bruce, um, that you're comfortable sharing personally. How have these made a difference for you? Because I found that often that's really the most meaningful part of this. So I, I I'll I'm going to answer your business question with a non-business response, but then I'll take it back. You know, I I like to go out. I, I'm a writer, so I spend a lot of time by myself. I, uh, even though I'm on the phone with people all the time, I, so I tend to go out for like iced tea and I'll go into a coffee shop, whatever. I have found that since I started paying attention to meta skills, that people, when I walk into the room, meaning this big public space, that people respond to me differently than they used to respond to me. And I, I put all of that on meta skills is it, that I feel like it's shifted how I stand. It's shifted. Do I look people in the, 
I or not? Do I smile when someone looks up or do I think like that's too forward? And, and because it, it, like I literally have been surprised, like the barista reacts differently to me. And when I started seeing that, then I started doing this more in business because I realized, wow, this in a kind of anonymous interaction, um, it makes that much difference. It makes even more difference when someone is paying you money or you're, you're trying to co-create with them or you're trying to build credibility or you're trying to help them. That, that form of quick connection makes a huge difference in business. Wow. Wow. That is fabulous. So to wrap, Bruce, for our listeners, do you have a piece of advice you'd share with them? Yeah, I would just simply say that, that pay attention to your energy. Pay attention to, you know, not just from an internal standpoint, but from an external. How does somebody else know what I'm feeling right now? How do you signal that? And if you just simply do that, how am I signaling I'm feeling happy? I'm feeling interested. I'm feeling passionate. I'm feeling empathetic towards you. You have to figure out ways to signal that in the simplest possible way. And if you do, it will change your life. It changed my life. Fabulous. I'm grateful for you, Bruce. Thanks so much for being part of my radio show. Thank you always for being part of the solution. It's an honor and privilege. I hope you enjoy the rest of your show, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Our next caller is Kelly from Boston. Kelly, welcome to the show. Hi, Molly. Thanks for having me. Um, so my name is Kelly and I'm from Boston. I'm a technical project manager and I am trying to bring an intentional, positive, collaborative, um, workplace together and we're establishing some teams. So what I had questions about um, was how do we really establish boundaries um, if the, in this new team in terms of things like working, um, turning work in on time, attending meetings properly, um, allowing others to contribute, um, and setting goals and schedule deadlines more as a team and more collaboratively than we kind of have done in the past. Thanks for that. This is a great one that has broad relevance, Kelly. Just tell me a little bit about this particular team. Is it spun up for a short amount of time? Is this an intact team you've been with? Give me a little bit of context, please. Right. So this is, um, there's actually two kind of two teams at the same time that I'm kind of re-spinning up. One team has been a longstanding team around, um, it's been around nine years that we've been together. Um, so there is a lot of history there and trying to reestablish boundaries as we go into a new phase of our project. Um, and then there is actually a new team forming as well. And so trying to get them off the ground and, um, it's a, it's a younger team and trying to give them some mentorship to, to really, again, have a positive collaborative workplace. Super. And your role, per se, are you a member or are you de facto leader? Uh, I'm the project manager um, as well as a member of the team. Great, great. So what I'll share um, relates to both, and you may just introduce it differently. So let's start with the team that you've got going. So presumably people have relationships, they know each other. The opportunity is to create a driver for change. And Mm -hmm. that's something that's a leadership role, whether you own that title or not. Um, and to be able to start off with, wow, you know, we've done a lot of great things, clearly, you know, in your time. And to put out an aspiration, I think we can be even better, way better. And to to create something about a vision, maybe there's a particular project coming along. And just saying that I know that there's a lot of genius here. I know that our collective genius can be amped up. 
And so I'd like to put that out for the team. So that just gives people something, well, maybe there's a shift here, right? So trying to do things differently without telegraphing, we want to do things differently, uh, can be hard for people to grasp. And then the idea of, you know, for us to co-create our space is really the opportunity here, as opposed to one person dictating, let's do this, let's not do that. So there's two questions, and I call this affectionately a team contract. It's creating the atmosphere that'll help you guys succeed. So two questions, and you can do it as a great activity. One is, what atmosphere will help us to thrive? The atmosphere. And a lot of times those are words like culture. It might be delivering on time. It might be being on time. But it gives everyone a chance to chime in. And you can do sticky notes and have everyone do three sticky notes and put that up there. And And then you get like a list, you start to do a little consulting, you, you synthesize and you'll come up with maybe it's half a dozen things. Now, the key thing here is, let's say um, on time. So that's, that's a big one. And let's say you put that in. So what's that look like? People are like, well, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. What's that look like? And then, and then on the flip side, after you get through the things that we want to do that help us flourish, it's, oh, what do we want to do when times are tough, right? When people aren't late, what do we do? When uh, the project's not going well, how do we want to be with each other? And that just creates, literally, it's a slide, and people are bought into it. And you can assess yourselves every month, say, hey, are we doing? What do we need to amp up? What are we doing really well? Um, So that actually works for your new team. And also, if you just have a stand-up meeting, like people are coming together for an hour, and you want to activate everyone in the room, that's a great way to say, you know what, let's just do a quick round. What, what's going to help us all feel like we can contribute and be our best? And you take, you know, yeah. some, right? And then you do the same thing for the other question. Um, how does that land for you, Kelly? Does that make sense? I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, taking, first of all, the ability to kind of put that aspirational vision out there for the team that's been together for a while would be great. Um, and then, again, allowing them the space to brainstorm and come to this as a, as a collaborative effort instead of kind of from top-down management. Great. And we had this chat about better skills, these, the energy or the vibe. So if you thought about the next meeting, right, you close your eyes, you're about to go into the next mm-hmm. meeting, what meta skill, what energy do you think, if you came to the group with, would serve the work? Um, I think uh, clear and kind of open-hearted about it, open-hearted about what the possibilities are for the future. Yeah, that's great. That leading with a heart, I found always to be a win. So what about your, uh, as a wrap up, what's your top takeaway from our chat, Kelly? Um, I think that the top takeaway is to uh, create a collaborative team. You have to start right from the beginning. So start with that, um, asking what folks need and uh, going ahead and, and forming the team around that. It's fantastic. Please let me know how it goes. I am here for you if you want to follow back up. I really appreciate your calling in, and I thank you, Kelly, for being part of the solution. Thank you so much, Molly. Okay, on to our friend Damien. Damien from Pittsburgh. Welcome to the show, Damien. Oh, thank you, Molly. What uh, scenario or what conversation may I help you with today? Well, we were talking about energy and what energy you bring into any conversation, particularly uh, in when you're organizing uh, a project. And so how, how do you bring that consistent energy uh, into the project and then throughout the life of the project? What, what, what sort of techniques do you have uh, for doing something along those lines? Because we all, because things happen. Uh, you know, uh, you go through the forming, norming, storming, performing, or whatever order it may be, um, how do you bring that consistency into any uh, uh, project? 
It's a great question. I'm going to answer that in two ways. One is at the individual, and then we'll think about it as a team. So as an individual, and in particular for leaders, although it applies to everyone, owning the fact that, you know, there's a bit of showtime, right? And we're coming forward. We want to serve the work. Sometimes we don't feel awesome, okay? It's just a reality. We didn't sleep well. Something went, went sour at home. And there is a bit of just being able to mush through it and really get yourself in the right headspace. And, and I say that with a lot of compassion. Um, meditation has been a real asset for me, a great way for me to keep myself in check. And that can be as easy as closing one's eyes for 30 seconds, breathing, really settling into your breath and getting yourself centered. And from that, the ability to think about gratitude and how grateful you are to actually be alive, to have the opportunity, will just internally transform you from within. And from there, that's the choice. Okay, I need to be game on. I don't feel great, uh, but I'm going to like give it my best. I also would offer authenticity in the sense that if you're really not feeling it, letting people know, asking for the help that you might need also is a way to be real about it but also to acknowledge that, look, we have, we have important work here to do, and we want to have the best space for us to do it in. So that's on the personal side. On the group side to that conversation we just had with Kelly about the team's responsibility to each other, if energy, high energy, positive, however you would describe that for a team, is something that you've decided is really essential so that you do your best work, then it becomes something where it's not just one, it's everyone. And what can be really invaluable is everyone's feeling low, but someone just says, you know what? We feel low. Noticing where people are is the number one thing because then it becomes transparent and a shared reality for everyone. Gosh, I'm noticing we're just like, ugh. And then the next question could be, what do we need? Is this how we want to be? And so I would encourage all members of a team, if that part of it is not up to just one individual necessarily, it's a chance for the whole team to kind of rally and figure out who do we want to be. And you've been part of high-performing teams, I'm thinking. And, you know, those tough times, those are the ones that really are the most defining. Um, And when you come through those, right, they create that greater cohesion. So embracing the struggles uh, is oftentimes, you know, is really part of going on to greatness. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think I think to, to a certain extent, Molly, I find that the greater the challenge, the the more performance you get out of people. And sometimes when the challenge isn't quite there, uh, you get into this malaise of, of just things just kind of keep on moving on. Uh, it's when you have those great challenges, I think, is where you actually see people performing and people can excel and you can learn from. You know, keeping energy in a kind of what, what, what may be some tedium. Uh, I, I think is oftentimes more of a challenge because when you have a a project that that is very difficult, people try to coalesce around it, and managing that energy is different than managing kind of low energy, if you will. Yeah, yeah. This is gets to this meta skill I mentioned about lightness and or playfulness, and often you know it's it's important work, right? And and there could be a lot on the line. Um, the ability, though, to keep perspective and to inject some lightness and some humor is really uh, can be a great asset to the team. And I think oftentimes I've seen, you know, if it's serious and the leader in particular feels like I need to be really buttoned up and really hardcore. And there is a role 
explore letting it loose a little, um, throwing a little humor, you know, throwing a little life lightness. And people, especially if that's not your norm, will be like, what? But that's part of the human experience, you know, and the leader can play a role in saying, hey, this may be tough, it may be important, it may be serious, but we don't have to look like this is death and destruction. You know, we, we can make this a much lighter atmosphere. And often junior members of a team can be really empowered here because a little bit of that will go a very long way for maybe the old timers. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Oh, uh, yeah, what's a top takeaway that you might have from this chat, Damien? Well, I think there, there's you've got to look at it from two perspectives. The first is you have to look at it at the individual level to make certain that you come you come prepared and you come in with uh, an energy that is appropriate for the situation. And then the second one is how do you mobilize, or mobilize, that's not the right word, maybe so much as how do you imbue that, that energy uh, to everybody in the organization, regardless of what the task may be. Um, because you want to pull out of everybody, regardless of the situation, you want to pull out their best. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. Please uh, let me go how it goes, Damien. If I can be more help, let me know. I really appreciate your calling in, and thank you for being part of the solution. Certainly will. All right, take care. Okay, next, I am thrilled to welcome Heidi from Atlanta to the show. Heidi, how are you? Hi, I'm great, thanks. I am um, an executive admin here in Atlanta, and I spend all of my uh, free time and vacation time doing uh, nonprofit philanthropy work. Um, And that is where my scenario that I'd like to present to you has come from, from that world, the philanthropy world. Um, so while, while, while I'm a board member for several boards uh, in, non- in the nonprofit sector, one of the subcommittees under my wing has a difficult task of handling an annual event. This, this event, this, this gala, if you will, has the potential to raise a million dollars for a charity in an evening or more. Um, as a result, all the auction items have to be just absolutely stellar, you know, the highest of quality. And here's the situation. The subcommittee um, that now is handling this event is populated with wonderful, enthusiastic, but first-time volunteers. They're eager, but they're, this is their first board assignment. Um, you know, they're either new in their careers or they're in a different directory for their careers, so they want to kind of jump on the board. Um, as they begin to acquire these items and experiences for this auction, uh, they're, they're getting sort of low-cost items and, and even things that go against the tenets of, of the board mission. Um, for example, um, tanning salon certificates for a cancer event. Um, how do we teach our new fledgling board members to say an elegant no to such items um, and still gently suggesting other options so that we can utilize the, the community at large to help this mission? That's a great one. That is a great one. And first off, thank you for your service to the philanthropic and the social sectors, Heidi. I can see it's very meaningful for you. Uh, Okay. So I think transparency that this is the situation just to make sure everyone has a shared reality is helpful. I can imagine these young people together with you saying, hey, you know, we're, we're getting gosh, great gifts. um, And we appreciate acknowledging people for their, for what they're doing. Um, and then I think part of that is just helping people, as you just said, you know, what we're about is health and wellness. And so one of the things we want to be very consistent with is that all the donations dovetail with that. And, you know, just getting alignment and people understanding how it would not perhaps be 
consistent with the culture. So they understand the why it's important to have gifts that really make sense. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. Very good. And the, even so though that, the, many of them are very savvy in their careers, um, this is, they're playing in a new space, right? With a board. Um, can you speak a little bit about someone new in their career or in a different part of their career, why a board membership might be beneficial? Oh, for sure. The, the ability to play a different role, a more advisory role, um, not necessarily as, you know, a particular expertise. I mean, I'm not sure what, what it, how it was that these people became on the board, but the ability to inter- intersect with people you would never otherwise intersect with and to be able to learn from uh, a different group of people and then to come together for one's community or causes it's just a great compliment in life. And to me, it's, it's, it's not an optional event. I think the folks who have a well-rounded portfolio of how they contribute to the world, professional, personal, philanthropic, you know, f- have a lot of meaningfulness. So I, and we could go on and on about that. But I think it's great to reinforce mm-hmm. and to encourage for sure. Um, I think this um, ability for you to appreciate how, you know, just notice we've gotten some things and, and, and why they're not helpful. And to say, I can understand that it is, be empathetic. It might be hard to say no, right? So just at number one. So let me give you some ideas. Each of us is a unique person. So the words that work for you, Heidi, may not work for them, but at least you model some words that might help them. And it might be, oh, gosh, we are so in grateful, gratitude for this donor and the things that you're working on. You know, one of the things we're trying to do is have things in alignment on a wellness or however you want to word it so that's still a positive thing. And to be able to ask, this is very generous of you, is there something along the lines of as an alternative, right, that can help them Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. build the sale, if you will, right? And sometimes people are not used to the numbers. You know, you might just help them appreciate what low and medium and high looks like and ask them their comfort level. And then I said, well, that seems like a lot. Say more. Why does that seem like a lot? Because with that, we could have this kind of impact. If we had more, we could have even more impact. So people start to realize, wow, I really do want to go up the chain. I don't want to have small, smaller things. I want to have things that are more mm-hmm. meaningful, right? So um, does that help you at all, Hey. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Very good. Thank you. So the, the new folks, I just have a question on your uh, mentoring role with them. How have you been helping them? Uh, get situated and, uh, and build their uh, impact? Uh, well, first of all, the first thing that I always stress is a gratitude um, because they, um, you know, I might be on the board for very different reasons than they. You know, they, they might be doing it for someone that they care about. I'm on the board for my own, my own personal health and, health and wellness. You know, this mission could be very important to me. So just gratitude is, is huge. Um, and encouragement, you know, if they, you know, if they do seem to be kind of stumbling along a certain way, just kind of opening up the door to creativity. You know, if, if you seem to be flying and, and, and only achieving these, if you will, smaller, going back to items, if you're collecting only these smaller items, how can we pair them together to make some wonderful experience for someone? So rather than kind of slamming the door or, or, or being harsh, kind of working gently with them to kind of experience more, a, a little bit of, you know, how one can help instead of saying no. <laughs> you know, there's a very elegant way to do things, I think. And so I've been trying to encourage them that really their time is incredibly valuable and we're so grateful for it. I think that's the platform. You know, if you start from there, you know, if, that, if that's the position where you begin, then everything else has to be gracious, right? Because it's just, you're just so grateful. 
Yes, I love it. I love that that exudes from you. I can feel it through my microphone, Heidi. I'm really (laughs) grateful for you for um, coming on the show. Let me know how it goes. Don't hesitate to reach out. And I I really appreciate you calling in always for being part of the solution. Thank you, Molly. Thanks so much. We'll take a quick break now. You're listening to Say It Skillfully. I'm your host, Molly Chang, and I'll be back live with you shortly. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Our sponsor for this show is CEO Works, the value coaching company. CEO Works is an executive advisory education company that advances the work of human capital. I've partnered with them on client projects, certified as a value coach myself, and seen the impacts firsthand. They have a unique approach to creating value quickly through talent by identifying the most critical roles, designing the roles, then powering them up with the right incredible talent, their model coaches the ecosystem all around the talent to produce leaps in value. Their focus is not only on the talent, but also on the role-talent combination. The CEO Works team believes we can improve the world by improving business. I encourage you to find out more at ceoworks.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Say It Skillfully, featuring your host, Molly Chang. We invite you to join the conversation on LinkedIn and Twitter with the hashtag, Say It Skillfully. Now back to your program. Welcome back. And I welcome our caller, Lee Ying from Palo Alto, my old stomping ground. Super to have you on the show, Lee Ying. What situation or conversation is on your mind today? Hey, Molly. Um, Thank you so much for inviting me to this awesome show. Uh, So I've been running into this issue that I've been struggling to handle effectively, so would love your advice on it. Uh, So how would you suggest navigating a situation where another senior team member inadvertently undermines decisions already made, even though they think they are innocent commentary? Oof. The peer undermining (laughs) dilemma that everyone knows. Um, So so that's my first question. Actually, that is my first question. If you feel like that comes from a place of inadvertent as opposed to actually intentionally. So it sounds like the person's super aware. I I do truly think it's inadvertent. Okay. And is this a colleague, is it male or female colleague? He's male. He's male. Okay. So... The that that we talked about the energy, that notion of positive intention and also mm-hmm. compassion as an energy, because you know, no one wants to make other people feel bad. Knowingly, that's not what someone wants to do. And so in some cases they just really don't know, right? So we can't we have to kind of feel for them. Um a, an opportunity here is helping that person be in your shoes 
Um, mm. And and it's 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 not easy because we're all you know we have our sense of reality and we do what we do because it's all about us, right? <laughs> Let's be clear. So <laughs> to get in someone else's shoes is important. You know, it might be, hey, could we have a chat? Um, let's just call this person Dave. Dave, you know, I love working with you. I think we do great work. I want to do even better work, and I want to provide some input because I think, you know, there's things that we could be doing better together. I'm happy to do my role, but um, I had an experience last time we were together, and I wanted to, to talk to you about it and see if we can move forward from that. Something that kind of gives a, a, an ask. Okay, now's a good time. Great, now's a good time. That gives a person some control, right, and, and when we're talking about it. And then go through it and say, you know, I said this, you said that. And when that got said, you know, let me just ask you, how do you think I felt? And the, the deliberateness, you know, just say, and they may look at you like, well, seriously, how do you think I felt? Another word might be if other people were there or were to have been there or saw that, you know, what do you think they would think? And just get that out there that the impact of those words may be very different than, than Dave thought. And you can start to gauge from there, and I would call that the level of social intelligence. Can I get the fact that someone else is having a different emotional experience than they are? And, you know, this is something that people can build on. It's not like you're innately necessarily um, only at a certain level. And generally, people will be like, wow, I didn't mean that. I appreciate that. And so helping them say, this is what would really I'd like to have happen make an ask, you know, what would be the kind of behavior just to give them an idea of what great looks like. So it's, you're, you're connecting the dots for them. Does that make sense? I tried something similar, of course, not as eloquently or skillfully, um, to have that chat with them. And, you know, they apologize. Um, and like, I think we aligned on it, but then that behavior happened again. And it's, it's, happened again in a forum of other people. And like, we had another conversation after that again about it and, you know, apologize profusely. Um, but it's something that really needs to be addressed in a way because I, I think it's a behavior that could be detrimental for the, the team culture. Um, so how would you, like, after having that first step been taken, like, how would you move to that second step? That's a great one. Okay, so this is real, real. So people are self-interested. And so, you know, it sounds like they, you know, it's, it, it is a, a form of condescension to just kind of deliberately go against, you know, if they're just saying, yeah, 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 if you feel like they're just yesing you. Um, and so I think it's important to think about like, what are the care abouts because no one wants to look bad. And to be still positive in your intention to say, hey, you know, we had this chat, really thought you were genuine. You know, I totally believe you were genuine. It happened again. <laughs> what do you think? What's going on? And say, you know, I, I don't appreciate if you're being patronizing. And, you know, for the team, it's hard for me to think of that as great leadership. You know, things that, that um, he can see the impact. And if someone really is one-to-one leading, not getting it, then bring in your boss, bring in a senior person and say, hey, I'm, and I'm bringing this up because it's for the good of the organization. I can handle it, mm-hmm. right? You're, and I can tell, you know, women in the roles you have, you know, you're tough. However, you say, look, at, this is not okay. And I think we need to address this. And when it becomes public with more senior people, 
no one wants to be, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a, a nudge in the elbow or, you know, the side for the, the boss person because of something like this. That's just not how you want to mm-hmm. go. And, and, and I think it's important to just keep the high road of, you know, it's, it's not okay. It's our culture. And, and you're, this is the example we, we, we don't want to have. It will hurt our whole organization. And, you know, I will then say if you get no traction in organizations, let's just say they don't really care, then I think individuals have, and I'm not saying this is your case at all, right? But if that gets to the point where the cultural culture isn't, isn't connecting, it's not, you know, what you're about or what someone is about, you know what, you've learned a lot. And find a place where you can really spread your wings and, and that environment's going to help you to thrive. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I think, like, the, the biggest takeaway is the, the deliberateness of, like, putting someone in and you're asking someone to be in your shoes. Because that's definitely a, a step that I skip. And that's, I think that's probably the most impactful one uh, to help them see what I see. That's beautiful. I appreciate that recognizing when we're all part of the problem, right? Well, what are the things that I could have done? Um, and it's fantastic uh, that the way you're leaning into this and, and, and going for it. Um, you know how to reach me. Give me a shout if I can be of more help. And I really appreciate you calling in and, uh, and being part of the solution. Take care, Liang. Awesome. Thanks, Molly. Take care. Now we're going to get to move on to Jenny. Jenny from Jersey City. Thanks, Jenny, for joining the show. Hi, Molly. Hi. Yeah, well, so I'm an IT program manager in um, financial services industry. Um, my team is a horizontal team supporting different IT development teams. Now, I'd like to give a feedback to a peer of mine um, on how he can delegate more effectively to his team. And because he's a peer of mine and I work frequently with him, I'm conscious on how I can say it skillfully. That's a great one. I love how you're trying to help your peers' development. And so as context, would you say you have a good, solid working relationship? I mean, how would you characterize how you two work? I would say that we have a good, solid working relationship. However, I do feel that, um, and I'm not sure how to pinpoint this, but I do feel that there's this feeling here where he feels that, or maybe this is the impression that I have myself, that he's older and yet he knows more, that he's wiser. And he's also been, um, let's say, been in his role longer. So I, like, quite often um, when I've attempted to try to give peer feedback, um, I get that feeling that it's like, hey, you know, I'm older, I'm wiser, I know better type of response. Um, it's not a direct response like that, but in, yeah. in, in, in that type of way. Got it, got it. So have so this is a tr- an opportunity for a great transparency of your experience. Have you said something like, and I'll call him Bob, Bob, I know that you want to work well together. I know your intention is positive, right? Acknowledge him. I want to share my experience of something so that we can discuss it. And as a result, I think we can work even better together. And my experience when I come forth with ideas is, and just lay out what you had just said, and just wait, is that what you intended? Is that what you think? And that gives transparency. You know, he might say, oh my gosh, 
that's not what I intended. He may say, well, I've, I've been here longer, Jenny. I'm, you know, way more experienced than you and say, hey, I appreciate. And if you feel defensiveness, find out the emotional state that he's at and acknowledge it. Wow, I, I, I'm not, I did not want to put you on defense at all. So if I did, I apologize. So just work with that emotional state. And so let me reframe this, you know, and, and I learn a lot from children. You watch children, right? And there's like amazing things that you could learn from them. So if you can come up with an example where it's a game changer and maybe something that that person can relate to, you could see, see that the ability to actually learn comes from all places, say, shapes, sizes, and ages. And, and doing so with a lot of compassion for, for people who uh, may be more senior, you've maybe come up the ranks faster, there could be a little of slight insecurity. I'm not saying there is, but there could be. And to be really genuinely compassionate. And, and then I think in conjunction with that, Jenny, that you're really there to help him and help both of you be even more amazing. Um, and that, that gets to that meta skill. And, and I know that you may have these senses of, well, it's like this. And it's, it is hard sometimes to let that go and really try to be neutral. How does that land for you? Okay. Yeah, because we, our teams work very closely together. So however he delegates to his team, it also indirectly impacts me. If they're not clear on their roles and responsibilities and how to do their job, it does impact me, which is why I want to give skillful and effective feedback to him. Oh, that's fabulous. So that's the part two, which is I know that you want to have amazing impact on the team, right? For sure. He's like, yeah, uh uh-huh. So I'm I'm seeing shooting oneself in the foot kind of behavior, right? And if you can find a a metaphor to describe, you know, like two steps forward, one step back, but just help the person realize that it's a much broader impact. And again, if you put um, him in some of the other folks' shoes, that may help him to appreciate Jesus not, you know, and it's hard. It's hard to get out of our shoes. That's been a theme for today for sure. So to cite specifically, specific um, folks and, and what, actual things they do or don't do or can or can't do as a result to connect the dots. It may be super obvious to you, right? But for some folks, they don't see uh, maybe as much systemic impact. Um, And if they don't, so that could be just an education piece. And then there could be a caring and then you have to tap in and that's igniting your inner leader. How can you create a way for someone to have the interest to um, help themselves, help the team do better work? Um, And I think that that's, Generally, I've seen people want to rise to the occasion. People want to be heroes, right? So if you kind of set it up that way, you're, you're giving them a gift too. Okay. That's really good. My takeaway from this is, um, my key takeaways is that it's okay to be transparent and direct, um, which I'm not, I, you know, with my peers, I, I, I have that, that struggle of being transparent and direct in the way that that you suggested, but I'm going to give it a try. Um, and then, two, the takeaway, and the second um, great takeaway was the use of a metaphor to help them relate. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Let's and acknowledge their emotional state. Hmm? Yes, 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 yes. Let's go back on this um, edge for you, Jenny, this, like, what something holds you back from being transparent and direct when you might want to be. And just 
you know, show compassion for yourself. That's something all of us, right, present company included, have challenged with. And understanding, mm-hmm. like, why that is. So why am I? So I would ask you, why do you, what, are you, what may be a fear or a concern when you are being transparent or direct? That I could be wrong on how, um, you know, what my thoughts are or what my feelings are. Yeah, that's, that's great. So just I encourage, and this is for everyone listening, the, when we have something that we're afraid of, you know, you can start it with, you know, I may not be right with this. This is my experience. Let me share it. And I welcome others' thoughts, creating an opening for that. And also, folks, you know, data has shown even wrong information spurs the cognitive thinking of the group. So it's better to chime in with something to spur people's thought processes than to hold it in. And so lots of times at work, people only chime in, well, I'm right. <laughs> you know, I'm the smartest one in the room. And that is really hard to combat. So being the one who has confidence, you know, this may be not be perfect. I'm noticing this and I add this so that others can chime in and see where we can take it together. Then you're a catalyst. And that reframing, you know, um, maybe a pebble in the pond of ripples, Jenny, maybe that will help you uh, think about it a bit differently. I'm saying skillfully, Molly. (laughs) Well, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. I'm really grateful for your joining in. um, And I appreciate you being part of the solution, Jenny. You take care. Thank you, Molly. Have a great day. Bye. Our last caller now is Roger from Chicago. Delighted to have you on the show, Roger. What situation or conversations on your mind? Uh, how to handle constructive criticism without being defensive. Ooh, bingo. Every single person <laughs> listening has had that happen. So share with me when, and maybe you have an, an example, Roger, of how how the defensiveness shows up for you, just to give me a little context. Within the span of my professional career, at times I was, I didn't realize, you know, with the uh, aspects of how oftentimes, you know, it's not so much how you might respond. It's even body language. And I know a lot of my body language in the past expressed defensive, you know, defensiveness, in just basic business transactions, conversations, and it could make people have second, you know, thoughts about your uh, capacity to handle information and just being able to approach it from a place of um, uh, transparency and compassion. And so about a year and a half ago, I had a situation when I was working in higher ed in reference to how I uh, misinterpreted some information that was given to me about a student and uh, the, the communication with me and one other colleague actually got escalated to the um, director. And within a meeting between us three, um, the capacity to let my guard down came when he expressed to me, you know, one of the things with Roger I wanted to explain to you is without being defensive, look at it from a place of integrity, knowing that your integrity is measured based on your level of whether or not if you're going to receive information, because if you become defensive, then, of course, you know, that kind of limits your ability to be transparent and, you know, maximize on your integrity, that people can trust in you to come to you with issues without you having to, um, 
you know, put them in a position where they feel as though they can't open up to you because you express this some one-way side of not looking at it from both spectrums. So from that moment, I started to implement that into my everyday, not just professional life, but personal life, and just take the time to listen and take notes. Uh, I truly believe that, um, you know, we're at a place in our life where if we just so happen to, what we happen to know now, if all the knowledge we have at this moment is not enough, you know, we have to keep learning in order to gain more knowledge. And so I began to surround myself around people who outthink me. And that means how do they respond to certain situations when they're faced with uh, a dilemma? And oftentimes it's great to sit back and watch how people, not just when they're honored, but also when they're under pressure. It shows the example on what I can do better and how I should respond when my opportunity and when the spotlight is on me, how will I respond? And at that moment, I found that many more doors have opened up for me professionally, even as of recent, to where now I'm moving into a new company as a director of compliance because of what I exuded and being able to um, put aside that defense mechanism and embrace, you know, and be transparent and take into account, if I take the time to listen very carefully, there's some golden nuggets there and pieces that I pick up to help me become better. And that's all it nice. was about, just helping nice. become better, you know, increase my level of integrity. And that way, the defense mechanism, um, I haven't had an issue with it for quite some time and don't plan on it anymore. <laughs> Wow. That's so how I was really, able to overcome yeah. that. You've really solved for it. So I appreciate the logical input that um, that colleague had given you to work through it. And it is something we can always still amp up. Um, I'll offer for you what you've talked through for folks exactly. is being in good relationship with yourself. And sometimes right. that's the hardest relationship, Roger, and saying that, you know, you are who you are you're perfectly imperfect and that no one takes that away from you. So anytime someone comes to you, you have a choice to, you know, lower the shields and expose some vulnerability and be curious. Um, And so I would just offer um, to make it even easier for you, that notion of curiosity. Wow. Someone's coming to me with something and that, that feeling of, gratitude that this is a gift and you know if someone's handing you a present even though it may be hard words that that internal flow can get going and I'm really proud of you for being self-aware to say gosh this has really got to go on for me and I've I have to do it for my own self-interest but what I'm hearing you say is you've really helped other people blossom Um, so that's just fabulous I'm I'm really jazzed for you I really appreciate it, and I watch a lot of your videos, so I continue to learn and grow with much of what you've uh, shared in your videos, and I can, as I continue to watch, I apply them to my own life, and I share them with a lot of people, so uh, it's been amazing, very helpful. That's fantastic. I am um, very grateful for you, Roger, and uh, sharing and joining me on the show, and always being part very of the solution. Welcome. Very welcome, anytime. I'm delighted to welcome our caller from Down Under. Alice from Sydney, Australia. Alice, super to have you on the show today. What situation, a conversation may I help you with? Hi, Molly. I am just so excited to be uh, able to 
ask those questions that I've been wanting to ask somebody. So um, I might start with a bit of context and um, give you a bit of background. Um, so I'm working in the life insurance health arena and I'm an occupational therapist. Um, I work with a lot of people who are uh, unwell from illness and injury and often they need support uh, through their insurance protection and through our ally health services. Um, of recent times, the Australian life insurance market has been undergoing some turmoil. So it put a lot of strain and pressure in, in our space and often everyone is on, on guard when I talk to my customers or the stakeholders. So my question to you is, um, how do I skillfully bring each one of these stakeholders so we can start establishing some common ground and common interests and work through some of those roadblocks so we can help more people. And second question is how do I stay curious and authentic? Um, in some of your talks you've mentioned that little uh, tip and trick, so just curious, yeah. Great. So we've got two parts. One is around the team and bringing the team together, especially when it's a little bit tough time. So people are a bit apprehensive. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and the second one is just about uh, being authentic, uh, being and curious. And yeah. curious. Yeah. And curious. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the, um, you know, especially if, if you know a lot of people for a long time, even what I find often is that people come together and they see each other as the role. You're the project person. Mm. You're the um, um, you know, admin person. You're the uh, technical person. Uh, and obviously yeah. we play these roles, but underneath all that is um, who we really are as people. And yeah. a very easy thing to do is to just go around and as you work with a group of people, to be able to create space and this is where I think the leader from within um, is really important. And you don't have to be the leader of the group either. But to say we're coming together, mm. you're in such a privileged place to help people stay well, right? And so it's a very yeah. meaningful, there's a lot of heart. I would think that a lot of folks who are in that space, and I can hear it in your voice, you know, you're caring. And, and they care. And so the ability to just kind of start with what we all have in common and that, you know, here we are and whether it's a particular project or this, the organization and what you stand for, there's a lot of things that bring us together to help people. and We want to be our best for them. So just mm. establishing whatever that common ground is for you is a great place to start. And then the next thing is, you know, we're actually in this, this business, if you will, of you know, helping people be well and to be who they are. And I'd love to offer that rather than jump into the work today, let's spend a little time and invest in getting to know ourselves yeah. Uh, as people. And, yeah. and people will look oh, at you, right? Yeah. Okay. They'll be like, they'll be like yeah. what? So, um, so that notion of safe space and setting it up saying, you know, this is, I want to give people a chance to share. And, and I have an actual journey line activity where people actually go through their life journey, um, which includes oh. the struggles and the hard things. But you can just start this by saying, you know, what's made us successful is not generally the, all the prizes and perfect things that we've done. Mm -hmm. It's the things in life yeah. that have been tough, right? And so I want to offer yeah. us a chance to be here for each other and share something that, you know, was hard for you. Or maybe it still is hard for you. And again, you have to establish that it stays within the room. We're here for each other. And every time I have done this, Alice, every time mm -hmm. people go there. 
they say the tough stuff because people are dying to be who they really are. And if you give them yeah. the permission, right? So that's just one activity. I'm happy to share more. Does that feel, feel like something that might help you folks get started on the, a good foot? Yes, absolutely. And um, in fact, I'm just reflecting as you, you were talking. Um, we don't look after each other enough. Uh, we're so focused and so driven to get our work done. But to do that well, we have to look after our op optimum um, sort of mind, um, how, how our mind works. And I think we could do a lot more of that, especially in our field of work, because we do deal with a lot of people who are unwell. So um, we do take up that, that n energy sometimes without even knowing. And so having that time to um, support each other first before we jump into, you know, the the agenda items and the task is much better than just go straight in. It, it just feels like we don't even care about each other. <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, it's so, so ironic because that is your business. And in, in some way, people, if people have a hard time with it, you might say, you know, we, we need to model wellness for people around us. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So now you mentioned the meta skill of curiosity. So the meta skill is that energy or vibe. And it is one of the most powerful because people sense when, when you're not trying to be right or give an answer, but rel rel rather really curious about it. And um, for me, you know, it's, it's hard. The hardest part is getting outside, getting a good relationship with myself. For example, I might really want to say something or I'm not in a very good mood. Right, or I'm just have had a tough, tough time. I'm not. I'm not mad at anyone. It's just it's, it's rough for me. And I think being able to show self compassion first, and just to be present with oneself, is really key. And often in meetings, you know, maybe you had a really rough start to the day, or a really poor meeting, and you're not in a good headspace. And then you have to go turn around, and go to a meeting where people need you, right, to be your mm -hmm. best self. Um, and yeah. I, I think that self care, even if it's a minute of meditation, breathing, mm -hmm. if it's taking a walk, taking five minutes, take five, whatever. I think it's important to the, what you mentioned earlier, Alice, to, to have the self-care so that mm -hmm. when you decide, you know what, I want to really listen. I want to really yeah. put myself in that other person's shoes, that you've got that energy to do that. And it, you know, it does take energy. And I think, uh, you know, this is making me realize how important it is to ask people, you know, what do you need? And it may not be a task thing. It might be, you know, I need someone to listen to me because I have this thing going yeah. on. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So true. Um, and we, we talk about in, in our health field, we talk about, you know, compassion um, and, self, and, and care for patients or care for the customer. And so what you've highlighted is, is that we really should start with ourselves and then you can extend that. Um, out to other people because if you don't do that you can't really you have no any energy left to extend that out to your networks or to the people that you need to support um, sure. so that's the excellent takeaway for me that's, that's really good awesome. to have that reassurance that's yeah. great that's great your colleagues and then those you serve are very fortunate because I really do feel the caring comes through Alice um, and you know I, I, I use the term ignite your inner leader, you know, and that's something that's deep within you and within all of us. And so you, I think, are a real shining light for that with others. 
Thank you. So, and you made some really good point about leadership. Um, um, often we may not be in that leadership role, and um, I often wonder, okay, how, how do I bring that in in, in myself? Even though I may not be in a necessarily in that lead, senior leadership role, um, how do I do that? Um, and self leadership is one term that I heard a lot um, talked about um, in in our world. Um, do you have any viewpoints on that front? Absolutely. I appreciate bringing it up. I, absolutely, one must lead oneself to be able to lead others, right? So that starts with the being good relationship with oneself, the emotional intelligence to understand what is going on for me. Um, a second level is the social intelligence. Can I identify mm-hmm. and empathize with someone else's emotional experience and, and truly put myself in their shoes? At the third level, a relationship system intelligence or a team intelligence, who are we together, right? We're part of the same team. We have a very different experience of being on the same team and the ability to empathetically understand what it's like to be in each other's shoes is just um, game changing. And, you know, when you get the teams that can really um, commit to each other's success as much as Mm. their own, that's when you can really unleash the human potential. And I think, you know, for the named leaders, for sure, that's a role, but everyone within has a chance to lead. And I think when you think about what is best for the whole, it's just a great way to say, you know, I, I'm noticing something. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's something that uh, no one else agrees to or it's a, something that might be an unpopular thing to say. You might just say, mm-hmm. you know, I'm noticing that this and, and I really want what's best for the whole here. And I just am a little bit confused. I don't see how this serves us and raising that. I mean, I was just having a conversation earlier today where someone said, someone said something in a meeting. It didn't come out right. It was offensive to someone else. They saw it going on in the room, and they didn't say anything, right? And, and, he's, mm-hmm. and it would just happen so fast, you know, and it happens all the time. So the ability to say, hey, hang on, assume the positive intention. I, I don't think anyone meant ill. I feel that how that happened, you know, made one of our colleagues, put one of our colleagues not in a good situation. I just want to call that out, and can we talk about that? Um, and I think oftentimes right. you hear me say all part of the problem, right, all part of the solution and it's in these moments, you know, where you see it, and you're like, ah, what do I say? <laughs> and having that awareness, I think you've helped raise that awareness by saying that because um, how many times have I been in those situations where I don't even pay attention to that moment, right? But now that you've said it and I've seen it in your previous um, videos, it really helped me become more cognizant and that awareness helps us then do something about it rather than just, okay, silence, you know, yeah. don't, don't call it out. Yeah. Right. Yes. Oh, wow. Excellent. Yeah. Wow. Well, lots of takeaway for me. And how do I find out more information? Um, is it on your website that we can read more? Because there's a lot of gold nuggets here I've written down, you know, about igniting inner leadership um, and unleashing our human potentials by having that self-compassion, empathetic understanding. And um, yeah, best for the whole whole team, best for the whole um where, where can I find more and read more? So I do have a website you're kind to ask, and so you're welcome to go there. And I have on my LinkedIn, I think we're connected, some resources. And I would just offer that there are su- there's such a wealth of great leadership support. And I think what happens is folks get so caught in the gerbil mill, they're not actually able to kind of step back and avail themselves of, of a lot of these resources. So I think, you know, I really appreciate yeah. your just willingness to grow because especially for leaders. You know, if we're not willing to grow and call out how we're growing, gosh, we can't really ask those around us to grow. 
right? And so I yeah. think this just, yeah. just points out that there's much more in common for us than not. Hmm. Any final cool. thoughts you want to share, Alice? Um, I guess uh, uh, gratitude, um, probably one of the things that um, we, I find I'm, I'm doing more and more because it feels great and it actually makes all the people around me um, happier. I just say simple things. I thank you for very simple things and I notice it makes a huge difference. <laughs> so so I think I'm really thankful that you've given me the opportunity to ask those questions today. I am, yes, very grateful. I love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please let me know how it goes, Alice. I'm here for you. Don't hesitate to reach back out. And I appreciate you joining me on Say It Skillfully. And thank you for being part of the solution. Thanks, Molly. I'm so happy I get the chance to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Great. That's a wrap for our show today. Please reflect on your top takeaways and know that I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality. Homelessness is a problem that's more costly to ignore than solve. The U.S. spends $12 billion a year responding, but resources alone aren't enough. I'd like you to know there are cities and counties proving what does work. Partnering with Community Solutions, a nonprofit I'm on the board of, more than 80 communities around the country are succeeding in ending homelessness, beginning with chronic and veteran homelessness. They convene local leaders around data and are changing how they work and spend their resources. So homelessness becomes rare. More than half have already reduced the number of people experiencing chronic and veteran homelessness with commitment to get to zero. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org and see whether your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness is an intractable problem. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, for more ways to say it skillfully. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter, and please be part of the solution and kindly tell others about this program so they can say it skillfully too.